0: When I post, let's say, a transformation picture of a client who's straight killing it, seeing lots of progress and change, and someone says something to me like, what's the secret? What are they doing? Or you see someone that you haven't seen in a long time, and it looks like they've lost 10, 15, 20 pounds, and you go up to them and you're like, oh my God, what's your secret? What are you doing? There is no secret. Let's link up with Krista on the fix. She's a wellness coach with a focus on mental well-being and physical strength. What is up, Fixed listeners? Welcome back to our latest podcast episode, episode 116. I am your host, Krista Huber, and I have a really fun episode for all of you today. At least, I think this is really fun and... Before we dive right into the topic, I do need to give credit where credit is due. I was listening to a podcast just yesterday. My podcast mentor, my good friend Chase and his wife May started a podcast not too long ago um, called Chase and May and yesterday they aired an episode that was all about just things they're tired of stuff that they're just totally over and apparently this is a trend on social media i think in the fitness and wellness space i see this often but you know you'll see the posts here and there as you're scrolling that's like you know, this nutrition coach or this personal trainer, whoever saying, I'm so tired of people saying X, Y, Z or asking me X, Y, Z. And I see it often, but I love that they kind of came up with this culmination of different things that they're tired of. Now theirs were more lifestyle related. It wasn't necessarily specific to fitness and nutrition, more personal within the context of their lives, but this is a fitness and nutrition podcast. So, we are going to piggyback off of that for today's solo episode with yours truly, where I pretty much polled my team and my followers. And I asked people to tell me what are the top things that they are just absolutely tired of. Questions that I, as a nutrition and fitness coach, am tired of answering questions that or just comments that people make when it comes to trying to lose weight, trying to lose body fat, trying to gain muscle, trying to get lean, trying to get tone and on and on and on. There is just some stuff that has got to go. So I really tried to par this list down because I literally could have gone on for two hours in this episode, and I came up with about 20 things. I counted it. It's it's 22-ish, but some of them I kind of grouped together, and they have subtopics within them, so it could almost be like 25 different things, but we're going to go through the list, and I am going to break down for as many of these as I can because, quite honestly, some of them deserve their own podcast episode, and If depending on which of these, those of you listening out there, depending on which of these maybe resonate with you a little bit, I'd love to hear and I'd love to know which one of these do you really believe because a lot of them are kind of myths and which one of these do you feel we need to bring more attention to to be able to dispel. If one of them really resonates, or there's one that I touch on and don't expand on enough, but you really want to learn more about, please shoot me a DM over at the Krista Huber or at the Fix Official Pod because we'll go ahead and create an entire episode around it. A lot of these things deserve their own pieces of content, but I again, I just thought this was kind of a nice way to put everything together in a bit of a list of sorts and have some fun with it because we really picked the things that are gonna make you roll your eyes eyes throughout this entire episode. Or if you believe them, maybe they're going to call you out a little bit because maybe there are things in here that you have caught yourself saying. I will say that before I was in the world professionally, these were definitely things that I would say. So don't take it personal, but just Recognize that if you still believe a lot of these things to be true, that might be a good opportunity for you to take a step back and ask yourself if any of these beliefs or any of these isms, let's call them, are actually keeping you stuck and are the reason, one of the biggest culprits as to why you're not seeing progress and seeing the weight loss and seeing the fat loss and the muscle building that you truly desire. And maybe that's a really good point of attack. Maybe this is the first place that you can kind of address a change that needs to be made, whether it's an actual action or just a belief that you're holding on to. So that's going to set the tone for the rest of this episode. Again, we're th- kind of putting together this list of what is all the shit that we see in the fitness and wellness industry that we're just over we're straight up tired of it and we're not going to stand for it anymore and we're going to use this episode to just squash all of it so here we go first up and these are in no particular order I did try to group them like I said Based on some similarities or patterns, but I didn't put them in order of like the most tired to the least tired. I'm equally tired of all of these comments, thought processes, beliefs, approaches, what have you. So, first one, I can't eat that. This one is a two parter. I can't eat that. I'm on a diet. When people say things like, I can't have this food, I can't have that food, I'm on a diet. Or very similarly, I can't go out to dinner with my friends because I can't eat anything on the menu. That is a bunch of crap. And here's why. First and foremost here at the fitness fix, we do not believe food has any moral compass. And there are a lot of nutrition coaches out there who agree with me on the sentiment, which I love. We as a society have labeled foods as inherently good and inherently bad food. Isn't e- doesn't equal good versus bad. Are there foods that are more nutritious than others? A hundred percent. The example I usually get for this is say, if we're going to compare a cupcake to broccoli, is the broccoli more? nutritious? Yes, it has more micronutrients and is a carbohydrate that is a better quality carbohydrate than some of those ingredients that are in that cupcake. However, let's change the scenario, change the environment, change the circumstances. If it's your birthday, you're going to go ahead and have a damn cupcake. So that's why we don't want to put that label on it. But when people say things like, I can't eat that, I'm on a diet, that is the quintessential I'm wrapped up in this restrictive mindset and the restrictive mindset is preventing you from getting the results that you want to achieve because it never lasts. There's going to become a point where you keep saying, I can't eat that, I can't eat that. How strong is your willpower? I mean, I can speak for myself. I can speak for a lot of our clients, and I can promise you that I don't have the willpower to completely cut out certain foods, especially when I I find that people say this when they're in like party situations or traveling or something like that, where it is typically that much harder to say no. Usually, if you can't eat that thing and you're convinced it's because you're on a diet, you just don't bring it into your house. But what do you do in those social settings? That is not a solution. So that's why we are just way over people saying, that. The second piece of it, the whole, I can't go out to dinner with my friends because I can't eat anything on the menu. This as a coach tells me two things. One it tells me that you are afraid to customize items on the menu and also just ask for something different. These days, when you look at the overwhelming amounts of people who do have specific food protocols that they're following, maybe even because they have an allergy, most restaurants are very accommodating. You have just never asked. So that's the first. That's if you really do want to go that extra mile, really execute on that discipline and say, hey, you know what? Of the items I'm seeing on this menu here, there isn't a whole lot that really fits into My goals right now, you need to take that step and that ownership to ask the server if there's something else that can be made for you because nine times out of 10, there is. More importantly, though, you got to put yourself in those situations where you go out to dinner with your friends because there's that restriction talking. Unless you plan to not go out to dinner with your friends for the rest of your life, I don't see how this is going to be a long term solution for you. If you want to go be a hermit, fine, but that is not. 99% of people. And that restriction is making you basically say that you have to completely alter your life, get rid of things you enjoy that you want to do, get rid of social aspects, which socializing is a part of your health, by the way, just because you think there's nothing on that menu that you can eat as kind of an expansion on that as well, it also tells me as a coach that you haven't really learned to understand how foods fit together. So if you think that there's something on a menu you can't eat, you don't really understand how to classify foods based on protein sources, carbohydrate sources, and fat sources, and use that as a way to figure out how all of your meals, one meal impacts the next one. And typically what we do inside of the fitness fix is when someone tells us that they want to go out to eat. Fantastic. Let's Let's look at that menu together and let's pre-plan exactly what you're going to order, classify that entree, the that appetizer, whatever it is, those drinks as a protein, carb or fat. Figure out which of those three it hits on the most. Hint, it's usually the fat and the carbs most of the time, and then plan the rest of your day knowing that you essentially needed to budget for that. It's just like budgeting for your rent every month. It's just like budgeting for the car payment that you have to make every single month, discretionary spending, what have you. So we're tired of hearing about that because it's BS and it is the quickest way to guarantee that you are not going to stick to that approach that may work for you on the front end for two, four, six, hell even eight weeks if your discipline is super strong or maybe your motivation and drive is is somewhat strong for a short period of time but it's certainly not not going to be your forever so that's our first one next up lower calories automatically equals you being a lower weight or you losing body fat faster that is simply not true. Just about any transformation we've ever shared on the Fitness Fix, that client went through a period where they were intentionally eating more calories for some period of time. There, this in and of itself should a hundred percent be an entirely separate podcast episode, which we've probably done flavors of before. If you go back to our four episodes between, I want to say epi- episodes ninety-two to ninety-six where we talk about the different phases of the fitness fix program, which I can link down in the show notes. We talk about this concept of reverse dieting. And the key word of what I just said there is intentionally eating more food to lose body fat. There is no argument that yes, you have to be in a calorie deficit and you have to consume fewer calories than you are burning. But that also means that you could do that while eating more food and changing your activity level. Like maybe you're somebody who's pretty sedentary with their desk job and therefore we can pull the lever of creating the deficit by setting up a goal for you to hit X amount of steps per day, adding in an additional 20 to 30 minute walk in the morning or at night. There's other ways to manipulate that. That doesn't always mean immediately going for lower calories. And more importantly, this was contributed by someone on my team. I think what she was really getting at here is this idea that if you just continue to lower your calories further and further, you are going to lose weight faster. And that is very likely not the case. In my experience from working with clients, I think the reason why that's not the case is just because we're human beings. And the more you continue to lower those calories, you don't realize, but there's a lot of extra BLTs, the bites, the licks, the tastes, the estimations, the things that you're not really accounting for, maybe a lack of tracking accuracy that you're not really being being that honest about the number of calories you're consuming, or you're consuming that few of calories, six days out of the week, five days out of the week. And then the other one or two days, you completely blow it out of the the water by adding an extra 67800 calories and then all of a sudden your average calories for the week are taking you out of that deficit. So, it's more about chasing compliance and that doesn't just by nature of our food environment, the fact that food is so readily available, the fact that food is such a part of our culture, the fact that like it's just something that you should want to enjoy. You're not setting yourself up for success by having this idea in your head. Well, the lower I go with these calories, the more weight I'll lose, the faster I'll lose that weight because we need you to be consistent and we need you to be able to do it for an extended period of time. So simply put, don't make it any harder than it is by trying to go lower and lower on the other side of that on more of the science. We need to go through periods where we intentionally eat more, not for the pursuit of fat loss, for the pursuit of building muscle. If you are not consuming more calories, you are literally not giving your body the energy to then go into the gym, manipulate that tissue with resistance training and create that muscle. And you need more of that muscle to achieve the lean and toned look that people are always exclaiming that they really want. So it's this cyclical process that we have to go through, which is exactly, Exactly what we address inside of the fitness fix program it's the reason why so many of our clients work with us for over a year because we need to recognize that it's not going to take one deficit one reverse diet and then a maintenance phase just going through each of those things one time and immediately jumping to that maintenance phase for you to achieve the physique that you have in your head now to the next one this is a big one that I hear a lot, especially with clients as they're first getting started with us. And one where I feel like I need to talk people off the ledge often is I'm not making progress because the scale isn't moving or the scale is going up slightly. This is a big one. This one has a ton of contributing factors. However, the most important to address is This is exactly why we take progress pictures. You could take somebody who is 165 pounds and they go through a program like ours the biggest change they make is consistently eating more protein. And you then have them take pictures every three weeks, at least once a month. You could do it every week if you want to. And all of a sudden they are the same exact weight in two photos side by side. And guess what? They look a lot better. They look more tightened up and more tone in the picture, the transformation picture that's six weeks into the program versus when they got started, even though the scale didn't move. Now, what are some other factors that keep the scale stuck? That could be Again, things we track inside of the Fitness Fix program, you know, the time you ate dinner the night before versus when you're waking up to weigh yourself, what that dinner consisted of, what some of your food choices were the day before. Did you go out to eat? Did you have any drinks? Did you get a good night's sleep? Did you get a poor night's sleep? Are you holding on to water? If you're a female, where are you in your cycle? There are a lot of factors that move the scale. I've been on other podcasts before and I was recording a podcast maybe almost two years ago, if not at least a year and a half with a friend. And I said, the scale is so fickle. It really is. That's why it's not the only determining factor for progress. So I am so over people telling me I'm not making progress just because of the scale. There's more to you than that number. There's also more to your health than that number. But more importantly, it's just not the only indicator of progress. That's our third one. Okay. This one, I maybe should have saved this one for last or put it first because this one I could totally go off on. And that is the question when I post, let's say, a transformation picture of a client who's straight killing it, seeing lots of progress and change, and someone says something to me like, what's the secret? What are they doing? Or you see someone that you haven't seen in a long time, and it looks like they've lost 10, 15, 20 pounds, and you go up to them and you're like, oh my God, what's your secret? What are you doing? There is no secret. I'm not even going to say I hate to break it to you because I'm so past the point of people still believing this, but I also can't fault you. And I can't fault you because there are still people out there who are trying to prey on the fact that you're desperate enough to want to see change, that they post content, that there's advertisement, there's marketing around this whole, you know, take this pill, do this, follow this protocol and you'll lose, you know, three dress sizes in six weeks. Something absurd. The secret is twofold consistency which i've already mentioned and putting in the work that's that's what it is and in order to create the consistency, you have to go through periods where maybe you're going to put your head down and do a little more work and be a little bit more disciplined, but also go through periods where you learn how to live in the gray area. If you're a food tracker, where you go through periods of accepting the fact that if you're traveling or you really want to go out to eat more than once twice a week with a partner or friends to socialize, you'll do your best to track your food, but you know it's not the nth degree of accuracy as it would have been if you prepared that exact meal at home but learning how to get good at those behaviors and also literally giving yourself the evidence that when you get to you know two days after having those meals out that you don't see the scale jump like crazy that you don't all of a sudden think your pants aren't fitting you to give you the confidence that that's not going to derail your progress either so the secret is there is no secret that's that's it okay next one Greens powders. Oh, such a fad. This idea that greens powders are the hack to getting you to poop regularly. If you are relying on a greens powder to get you to go to the bathroom, you are, first of all, wasting your damn money. And second of all, you have bigger fish to fry. You need to look at something else that's in your diet or usually lack thereof. What does your fiber intake look like? Are you having enough fiber? Are you potentially having too much fiber? Are you eating really fast? Are you constantly eating on the go? Are you not sitting down to take a beat to eat your meal? Are you eating distracted? There are a lot of different variables that play into our digestion, but unfortunately with social media and with certain influencers you know making their living and look there's nothing wrong with making your living in this industry but people wanting to have product attached to their brand it's turned into all of these supplements that are quite frankly a waste of money and maybe i would even go so far as to say i'm like really over supplements but I'm going to caveat that because there are certain supplements I think are a million percent necessary for everyone out there, Short list: vitamin D, magnesium, omegas, or fish oil. Those would be my top three. I also personally take a cortisol reducer and I take some supplements to help with sleep. But... Where I would say I'm kind of over this topic in general is people thinking that all they're missing is some sort of magic powder or a pill or whatever it is, instead of addressing the fact that they sleep like crap, their food quality needs a ton of work, they're not consuming enough vegetables... They're, you know, on average having six to eight drinks over the course of the week, if not at least one night out of the weekend. Those are much lower hanging fruit and lifestyle variables that you need to address before you convince yourself that your missing ingredient to this whole fat loss recipe is some sort of powder or some sort of supplement in general. And while we're on that note, I'm actually gonna jump ahead on my list and go slightly out of order, but this again, kind of related and trying to group them together that way. And this idea of a magic pill. Got to bring it up because it is a super hot topic right now, and that is Ozempic. Our friends in that category, Ozempic is one of the main ones, but there if, if, Wigovi is another one. There's a few different semiglutides out there. People saying things like, I'd rather just take Ozempic than do all that work. It's not a supplement. I want to be clear on that, but I'm going to put it in the magic pill category, that kind of mindset. You can try that route. But the research is there that people who are losing weight on that drug are losing muscle. If you would like to lose muscle, that is on you. But here's the problem. You're going to lose your appetite. A lot of people are reporting nausea from it. And again, you are not addressing the lifestyle behaviors that are required for you to maintain that weight loss. So basically what you're saying is you're cool with spending the money on that, or if you, let's say your insurance covers it fine, but you are going to be chained to taking that for the rest of your life, unless you come up with some kind of exit strategy to be able to get off of it. Now I'm going to kind of roll through a lot of these cause we do have a bunch. So I'm going to keep going to the next one. Okay. This one I'm a big fan of because I'm really passionate about food tracking and I think it is a very successful way to lose body fat, but I am super tired of hearing people say things like tracking food takes way too much time. I can never do that. And we're going to lump a few more things into this category. The whole, I don't have time fill in the blank with XYZ. I Y, Z. I don't have time to track my food. I don't have time to go to the gym at least four days a week. I'm going to get into that one in a second. I don't have time to meal prep. I promise you have time to do all of these things now. To my parents out there. I know how busy it is to have your children, to run them around to different things, and to take care of them. I know because I have clients who have children, and we talk about this on a weekly basis. But here's my problem: while I don't agree that everyone has the same 24 hours in a day, I think that is a bullshit statement. I think that when you are a parent, a partner, you're a working professional, you're taking care of your children, you're trying to perform at your job, you are juggling a whole lot, and people. People's socioeconomic statuses are different. The ways that you can get assistance or support vary. You know, some people have access to childcare in their gyms. Some people don't have that. So maybe it is a little bit harder for you to get to the gym. However, what I don't like about and why I'm so sick of people saying things like this is because The way you do this one thing, you don't have to do it to the degree that you see someone else who is 25 and a single young professional to be able to get results. You have to care enough that you're not allowing that part of your life and those factors in your life and those people in your life and the responsibilities in your life to not be an excuse for you taking care of yourself. So what I mean in saying you don't have to do it the same way as a 25-year-old is if you can't get to the gym five days a week, cool. Let's start with two because half the time, the people who stay this stuff aren't even getting to the gym once. So, if you can get me from zero to two and then consistently hit two days a week for the next month, you will make progress because that is a change. That is the delta for you. Is that the delta for the 25 year old who is already going to the gym five days a week? No, but you're not them and they're not you. So it doesn't matter. Just completely stop comparing yourself. Maybe that should be another thing we're tired of. But again, human beings, it's hard to kind of stop that. You know, don't compare yourself to somebody who doesn't have the same lifestyle that you do. They don't have some of the same restrictions and responsibilities that you have in place. It's saying you don't have time for something but then you go ahead and spend your time doing other things. That's where I'm sick of this. That's where I have a problem. You say you don't have time, but a lot of times the people who say they don't have times are real quick to answer me on Instagram because they're scrolling, they're watching Netflix, or, you know, if they're taking their child to a practice or something like that, let's use sports as an example. My most successful clients Operate under the belief that where there's a will, there's a way. If their kid is going to a practice, it's the summer, it's spring, it's nice outside, they're on that field while their kid is playing baseball or whatever it is, and they're going for a walk because they want to get their steps in. That's taking the same time that you have available and just utilizing it in the best way possible. Because if the alternative is that you're going to sit in your car or that you're going to go home and maybe not cook dinner or do something that is really productive, well, that's your own fault. So I'm just, I'm not cool with that as a potential reason for somebody not taking care of their health and not prioritizing the activities they need to, to get to the where they wanna go. Now, when it comes to meal prep, I am the queen of being efficient AF with meal prep. There are so many gadgets and so many tools out there to be able to help you spend less time in the kitchen. And more importantly, you just don't need to overcomplicate this with a lot of recipes with tons of different ingredients batch prep a bunch of proteins. I personally have been on a big kick with this. If you've been following me on social media recently, I started using a sous vide. I love it. It's essentially like a pressure cooker, but it's awesome because I can turn the timer on. I can literally control it from my phone via Bluetooth. I could leave my house while it's cooking. Today I made burgers and, and filet mignon while that's cooking. And I vacuum seal them so they'll stay lasting in my fridge for a few weeks so I don't need to cook constantly. I can batch prep a ton of that protein and have it for a good two to three weeks and not feel like I'm constantly in and out of the kitchen spending tons of time there. It's getting creative. It's even saying, hey, if you really truly don't have time to cook, instead of you know running to... Uh, I don't know, some kind of restaurant, grabbing a slice of pizza, why not even go to a place like Chipotle where you have the ability to customize the bowl or the burrito that you're making and really kind of tweak that entree to make it work for you. It's still fast. It didn't require any meal prep on your part. And while that's not something we could rely on every single day, it can get you to where you want to go. It's usually just maybe going to take a little bit longer if that's a route you're typically choosing. And it's just not going to be all the way up at this gold standard. But just because it's not at the gold standard doesn't mean it's not a quality method. And that's kind of what I'm really getting at and just commenting on this idea of like focus on your Delta. If you're, you were on the floor before and your average was getting fast food multiple nights a week, switching from that fast food to that, Chipotle is your Delta. It might not seem like much, but it is the momentum that you need to move into the right direction, especially when time is your biggest constraint now when it comes to the gym another thing we can look at too is like if you need to work out at home in some capacity okay maybe you don't have a barbell but you have a set of dumbbells there's lots we can do and we can continue to do that for some period of time until we recognize that that is going to lead to a plateau for you but the people who are the loudest when it comes to not having the time are the people who are pretty much doing nothing so if you can do go from doing nothing to a little something i can guarantee you that you are going to make change you just got to stick it out to the point where you're not getting frustrated because you wanted that change to be faster. If you deep down really wanted that change to be faster, you'd find a way to get into the gym. You'd find a way to get creative, to be in the most optimal condition to get those results as fast as possible. So you got to pick which one's more important to you do it in a way that's going to fit within your lifestyle exactly as it stands today, or make some really big decisions and some really big changes, some massive 180s in your life so that you can get to that end goal a little bit faster. That's on you. All right. Enough about the time thing. Now let's move into what the heck you're actually doing in the gym. Things we are tired of hearing. I'm going to cover three different ones with this topic. When it comes to being in the gym, I am so tired of the advice or the philosophy that high reps with lower weights in your hands is going to make you tone. And on the flip side, the belief that heavy weights are going to make you bulky. First of all, this one's definitely for my ladies out there. We do not have enough testosterone pumping through our bodies to get bulky. If you consider yourself bulky, I promise you are not training, at a level of intensity that is contributing to that. What is contributing to that is the way you're eating. And that's what we need to manage first. If you feel that you're getting bulky, chances are you are actually putting a little bit of body fat on your body, but that's not a result of what you're doing in the gym because it is very rare that I see a client when I look at the videos that they send to me when I'm critiquing their training and their form that is pushing to a degree that is going to get them that end result. So just... Let's cut it out because it's simply not true. And this whole idea of doing really high reps and lower weight is going to make you more tone. Again, this idea of getting tone, we can't do it just through the way we exercise. The nutrition piece is such a big factor too. There's no proof to either one of these statements. And this whole idea of like, what is the perfect rep range? What is that perfect weight for us to consider doing is... Really looking at it from a place of saying to yourself, okay, I need to say to myself, I need to stick to something for X period of time in order to be able to get the most change. How are we going to potentially measure that? You need to do it for some period of time. So if you want to tell me you want to get lean and tone. Fine, but like we have to stick to one approach. And a lot of times people will try something for six weeks and be like, oh, it didn't work. And that kind of rolls right into my next one, which is, you know, how much time is it going to take for me to get to XYZ goal? I have no idea. It depends how committed you are to the process. It depends how committed you are to showing up regularly. It depends how many variables we are trying to manage here. So when it comes to that approach in the gym, I think it's wrapped up just in this idea of there's a lot of conflicting information out there, but no one's really giving something enough time to be able to assess how well their body is going to respond to it. And if ultimately you really want to know what the right approach is, it's not only giving it time to really assess that, but also look at, let's, let's take extreme examples. Let's take bikini competitors. Let's take bodybuilders. These bikini competitors from our girls out there who are really, really shredded. I'm not just talking about jacked, but that they're, they're stage lean. They're very lean. You can see that they have a six pack. I promise they're training heavier than you, but they're going through cycles to go back to what I said at the top of the episode, they're going through these cycles of increasing calories, decreasing calories, manipulating the way that they're training, pulling cardio out of their routine, putting it back in. So there are a lot of different levers that they're pulling to be able to achieve that end result. Okay. Let's head to the next one. Carbohydrates, my favorite. Specifically, I am so freaking tired of people saying things like, bread is bad for you. Once again, no food is inherently good or inherently bad, but more importantly, it is all relative. Is bread the best choice if you notice that every single time you eat it, you immediately get bloated? No. That means it's not good for you. If you wanna know if there's a list of foods that I will totally stay away from, it's a food that doesn't make me feel good. In that, if I eat even a little bit of it, I suddenly feel bloated or I feel like my body is not reacting to it well. If I'm allergic to a food, then Of course, I'm not gonna freaking eat it. But for us to just be like, oh, bread is the reason you're getting fat, no, because again, it doesn't take into account how your food fits together. And that is a really important component to consider with all of this. So I'm just tired of people giving carbs a bad rep because most of us, with the way we exercise, especially for those of you out there, If you were taking any sort of group fitness class and you are not consuming carbohydrates, I promise you, I guarantee you that you are taking something that is already on fire and pouring more gasoline on top of it because you are not giving your body the appropriate energy that it needs to be able to get through that workout. And you're then just putting it in this continually stressed state that is not going to allow the body to achieve fat loss because it's too busy trying to get out of that stress state. To that same end, moving into our next one of things that we're just tired of hearing about, people blaming their hormones for everything. I want to be careful with this because the scenario that I was just describing can often be one of the reasons why somebody isn't seeing results. They're in this very stressed state. Their cortisol pattern is off. It's high at times when it shouldn't be high. It's low at times when it shouldn't be low, vice versa. And that is a reality. You go through menopause, you go through different periods in your life where, yes, we do need to take a look at your hormones, especially if you're coming at this entire health journey from a place of optimization. I want you to feel your best. I don't want you to just feel good. So there is a time and a place for addressing someone's hormones. However, this is what I am sick of. People who want to blame their hormones when we look at their day to day. And again, there is so much low hanging fruit that they could change. There are so many things that they are not addressing, that their sleep stinks. They're really inconsistent with their training. When they do train, they're not really including any resistance in it. They're barely hitting hundred grams of protein a day. If you are not doing any of those things, I don't really want to hear about your hormones because you haven't earned the right to show me that you have the behavior and the systems in place to be able to then say, Hey, I'm doing all of these things, right. And I've been doing all of these things, right, for at least five, six plus months, and I'm still not seeing change. That is when you are allowed to say, hey, I want to potentially explore something else here. But I think there has become this fad craze trend, whatever you want to call it, where we just start blaming our hormones almost as an excuse for not actually putting in the work that it truly does take. Remember, we said there's no secret. It takes work to truly change your body. let's move into the category of protein. Now, if you've been a listener for a while, you know how I feel about protein. If you follow me on social media, you know how I feel about protein. If we did a quick search of all the times I've used the word protein in this podcast episode alone, I've probably said it 10 times already. However, something that I'm really sick of hearing is people saying that when I assign them some sort of protein goal, That there's no way they could possibly hit a protein goal that high without relying on some sort of protein bar or protein shake. It's legit not true. And I know it's not true because I personally consume more protein than a good 85 to 90% of my clients. And for a lot of you who follow us on social, especially if you spent no time tracking your food, I am a thousand and one percent sure that I consume more protein than you, especially intentionally and on a regular basis. To give you that number, I consume 175 grams minimum of protein a day. It's usually between like 165 and 185, let's call it. And I rarely drink protein shakes. I can count on one hand the times I've had protein shakes in the last six months. And one of them was in the last week and then the other one was maybe three times three weeks before that. Like I know the exact times because I only do it when I'm in a pinch and it's usually because I didn't prepare accordingly or because something changed with my schedule and I was on the go. So I can literally remember the times that I did it. I'm tired of people saying this because you are missing out on something super obvious. Change your portion sizes. If you're eating chicken, why are you only eating four ounces of chicken? Why? Why not eat six? That'll give you a little bit more protein. You don't have to hit your protein goals just from supplementing with a powder or a shake. I promise it's gonna help your digestion too if you really prioritize focusing in on whole foods. So don't tell me that it's impossible until you try not to do it and then see how you feel. Because I can tell you as somebody who doesn't rely on bars and shakes, that it's made my digestion a whole lot better. And as somebody who's already busy and on the go and can often have a body that's in a stressed out state, I don't need to pile in things and put things in my mouth that are going to only add to that. I wanna protect my body to operate as efficiently as possible and reduce inflammation where I can. And that is just a matter of prepping a little bit more chicken, steak, whatever it is, having turkey in my fridge that doesn't even require any prep, buy rotisserie chicken. There's so many ways you can get protein, canned tuna that is still something that's quick and on the go. I'm To the same end, I'm super tired of people being like, I need a high-protein snack that's on the go. You can make anything on the go as long as you choose to prepare it that way. All right, we're almost done. We got a couple left. So this one I got from somebody who follows me on Instagram when I put a question box up about this and said, what are, what are some of the things you guys are tired of out there? And I think this comment really encapsulates everything we've been talking about so far and this person and I'm full in full agreement with this this is kind of where I was going with the comments around you know blaming your hormones saying you don't have enough time to do something but it's this idea of people being so hyper focused on things that matter maybe like two percent Versus the foundational stuff. And what I mean by that is the person who's insistent that the reason why they're not losing weight is because they're not timing their meals accordingly, that they haven't really optimized the time of day that they're eating When in reality, they're not eating enough food. They're barely getting enough protein. They're not getting to the gym consistently. They're not even getting 60 to 80 ounces of water in their day. There are so many other big rocks that they could be addressing. But as some of their coaches like to say, they're passing up 20, 50, $100 bills. They're literally walking over these bigger bills just to go ahead and pick up pennies. Your meal timing doesn't mean jack if you can barely get 100 grams of protein. It's one of the reasons why I'm also not that big of a fan of intermittent fasting. People who want to do intermittent fasting. You're taking something that is unnecessarily complicated because if you're going to put a window on the time during which you need to eat, you also need to show me that you are still going to hit the calorie goal that you're supposed to be hitting. So you're now making it more complicated by saying, oh, I can only do this between the hours of 12 and 7 instead of between 8 a.m. and 8 p.m or 8am and 9pm, whatever it is, 7am, doesn't matter the time. But you're getting too fixated on these aspects that don't really matter unless you are way more advanced in your nutrition. I am very advanced in my journey In that I do have to care about the little things, but that's because I execute on the basics so well. I don't even have to think about executing on the basics and also call myself out and say when I get busy as hell, I don't execute on the basics. So most of the time, it's not that I need to make progress by progressing forward in terms of, you know, looking at meal timing, looking at things like that, I need to make progress by being so damn consistent on those basics because that's always the through line and that consistency is always going to get me to where I want to go. We got three more. Next one. More equals better. More time in the gym, more cardio, and more restriction. There isn't a darn thing that more equals better. More isn't better. Better is better. That's it. You don't need to be in the gym for two hours every time you go to workout. I get it. I limit my workouts to one hour and I promise you I see progress that way. You don't have to work out six days a week. You don't have to do 20 minutes on the Stairmaster at the beginning of your workout and again at the end. You don't have to get 10,000 steps unless Let's go back to it. That is a delta for you. That is enough of a material change. If you're someone who has a desk job and you're only averaging 4,000 steps a day, if you go from four to 8,000, that's going to be a game changer for you. The 10 is a little bit arbitrary until you show me that you can consistently get 8,000. Then we can talk about that. But doing more of something usually doesn't get us to the result any faster, especially when it's coming from a place of restriction. Or coming from a place of needing to change your routine so much that you're missing out on the things that you enjoy most. Because if you're missing out on the things that you enjoy most, it's just not going to last. And there's that concept again of consistency. We are right back to it. Last two. I'll just start again on Monday. How many more times are you going to say this to yourself? I'm gonna keep this one really short. And just say this if you keep telling yourself you're going to start again on Monday and you have yet to start on Monday, the fact that it's Monday is perfectly irrelevant. That is a story that you are telling yourself that is going to continue to keep you stuck. And last but not least, I did kind of put this one last because in my position as a business owner and as a nutrition coach, As somebody who's worked with hundreds of people over the years, if not thousands, if I count the people I've trained in group fitness settings, personal trained, and have since gone on to work with in some capacity with nutrition, when people say, I can't afford coaching or I can't afford training or I can't afford XYZ investment in my health, yet they are going out to dinner at least two to three times a week. I don't know about you, but I go out to dinner regularly enough to know that especially in 2023 with the way our economy currently is, you're not spending less than 50, 60 bucks when you go out to dinner, especially if you're getting a drink. So maybe it's the, you know, quick trips to the Chipotles, the coffees, all that kind of stuff that seems like less. But if you're going to a place like that and spending $10, $15 a day on your lunch and you're doing that five days out of your week during your work week, let's say it's a minimum of $10. I'm just going to do this math really quick, right? Keep it simple. It's a minimum $10 and I don't know any place where you could get a sandwich or anything for $10. That is ridiculously conservative. That's $50 a week times four weeks out of the month, there is $200 right there that you could instead put towards coaching because I don't have a single client who doesn't come into this program and within a month's time, they are actually saving money or at least reallocating their dollars and their spend that is now going towards coaching to them thinking twice about how frequently they go out to eat because it just makes more sense for them to prep things at home and buying it at the grocery store and getting multiple meals out of it is a lot cheaper than the alternative of going out to eat all the time. So if you say that you can't afford something, but then you still do other things that are considered luxury, like it's still technically a luxury to go out to eat and the frequency with which I see so many people do it or I tell this story a lot. I have people sit in front of me carrying handbags and wearing workout gear that is more expensive than a month, if not a few months worth worth of the Fitness Fix program, yet they tell me they can't afford it. No, I'm tired of hearing that because what you're actually saying is that you don't place enough value on it. You place more value on that item, that physical thing that you can hold. And that's one of the hardest parts about coaching because we're, just from a sales perspective, to get into the business side of it, we're selling somebody on something that takes a lot of work on their part. And two, it's not an end result they can physically see or touch yet. It's this idea that they have to then buy into, but where... I find that our clients do the best, honestly, is the clients who are like, I know I need this. It might even be a little bit of a stretch for them financially, but they take a hard look at their budget and then they make it work. Nine out of those 10 clients who come into our program, I could literally line them up and their results are usually better than the person who came to me and was like, oh, well, it sounds kind of expensive. And then the person who says it sounds kind of expensive, they half-ass the program. They get to four or five months into the program. We're getting to that conversation where we're thinking about extending. They're not happy with the results they're seeing. And all of a sudden, they're like, well, I don't see the value in this. Usually they didn't see the value because they weren't putting in the work. And a lot of times I have to ask myself, should I have potentially charged this person more? Because the person who did really feel it in their pocket, the person who is actively really feeling it in their pocket is one of the most active participants inside of this program. And you know what? Good. I'm happy for that person because they take it more seriously. They are therefore getting more results out of it and they're going to go on to be successful Without us, and probably a lot faster too. And half the time, that's what we all want. We want to get there as quickly as possible. So that's my last one. This podcast could probably be a two hour episode, but those are the top 20 ish, let's say 20 to 25 things we are just tired of hearing about as coaches, as people trying to lose weight, as people who are out there just trying to share really good information about what it actually takes to get the body you desire and keep the body you desire. And hopefully this helped you in some way. Like I said at the top of the episode, if you feel called out by any of this, if you're like kind of laughing because maybe you've said some of these things before, if you still believe a lot of these things please reach out to me. This is exactly what we do inside of coaching. We take the time to dispel a lot of these myths and show you there's a different path, to show you there's a better path. It's not one with more restriction. It's not one with more time in the gym. It's one that helps you restructure the way you think about food, come up with a plan, actually be able to stick to that plan, and just change how you see yourself. Change those stories that you're telling yourself. Link to apply for coaching is right down in the show notes. It's also in my Instagram bio if you just want to talk more about it. I'm always happy to jump on a quick Zoom, do a quick discovery call, figure out what your goals are because maybe you're not even sure of what those are. And this time of year, as we head back into the fall, this is the time of year that everyone claims, oh, back in May, around Memorial Day, early June, that I'm just going to push my goals off until fall. Well, fall's here. You have every opportunity to jump on it. Do something about it. And with that, from wherever you're listening from, hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your day. Catch you next week.